Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for coming along on the journey of this little show that I've created now more than six years ago and well over 610 episodes. And along the way, I have had the pleasure to interview really smart people who are making waves and helping companies grow. And that's what we're here to do. And that's what we're going to do today. But first, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So today's episode is brought to you by Spectrum Reach. Now, at Spectrum Reach, they know three things better than anyone. They know how to harness the power of multi-screen advertising. They know how to offer a simplified, one-stop shop destination for marketing solutions. And they know what makes our towns and cities tick because they are our neighbors. They are the most trusted media partner in America. And if you want to find more, visit SpectrumReach.com and you could get started with them today. So today's show, we have a new friend of mine. I just met him last week. We're part of a networking group that my friend Gordy Bufton put together. And he said, hey, I know some really cool cool people. You all have to meet each other. And I'm like, why not? It's COVID. I'm not leaving my house. I might as well log on to another Zoom call because five or six, maybe seven Zoom calls a day just wasn't enough for me. But it actually turned out to be kind of cool because I met some really good people. And Marcus right away said, of course, I will be interviewed on Making Waves at Sea Level. So our guest today is Marcus Dickinson. Now, what he does is he finds money inside companies so that they can fix their problems and he gives their executives more time to enjoy their life. Now, we're going to have to find out what that means because who wouldn't want that? So, Marcus, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tom. It's uh, it's my pleasure to be here. I love the intro. I love the energy. And yeah, it's great. That group that Gordy's put together, some really fascinating, powerful, world-changing people there. Um, and right away, when you put out the call for, hey, who would like to you know, do a little interview and be on the podcast. <laughs> I don't even think 10 seconds went by before I was like, yeah, I'll do it. No, in fact, uh, I, I, I wasn't going to tell the whole story, but now I will. We were on a Zoom call with like 10 people and everybody was introducing themselves. And I'm like, by like the fifth person, I'm like, uh, these are all super impressive people. Remember the old thing? One of these things is not like the other. I was like, why did I get invited to this group? And I thought I got to enter. I said, is anybody interested in being a guest on making waves at sea level? And literally 10 seconds later, Mark, was like, I'll do it. And so I'm like, anybody who could respond that fast uh, deserves to be interviewed just for being a doer. So uh, Marcus, tell us about your company. Uh, Introduce the company, what it is you do. So, um, well, I am the CEO of How To Project, and we are a remote project systems and management company. So as you alluded to, we had the marketing speak there. We, uh, you know, we we call ourselves profit recovery specialists. That's that's part of what we do. And uh, in essence, what that means is, is I'll go to a lot of corporations and I'll say, hey, how would you like to get at the sea level an extra 40 hours back every single month to spend on whatever you want? Like non-work related. That's like a whole week a month. It is a whole week a month. And everyone laughs. They're like, okay. First of all, you can't do it. And secondly, how much is it going to cost me? And I say, here's the best part. Chances are it's not going to cost you anything. Because if I can find our fee within your existing budget, will you give us the contract? And that's one of my great lines that's been working for us for years now. So they're always up to the challenge because there's no cost for them. And I mean, you probably wouldn't be surprised, you know, making waves at sea level, but the amount of money that these companies are hemorrhaging, I can just make some simple procurement calls, renegotiate some contracts with new suppliers and vendors, and there's more than double what our fee is often. And what we like to do in those cases is once we found our fee, got the contract, we're like, and by the way, we've even put together this high return investment opportunity with the other bit of money that I found for you. So now you're actually going to be even more profitable while we actually streamline your operations for project management. Um, We get a lot of referrals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would imagine if you can find time and money inside companies, uh, that's probably the most rare thing that uh, uh, is out there. So let's talk about this a little bit more. So 
you know, what is it that you do? So now we found the fee and they're like, okay, we can afford to hire Marcus. Now what? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it used to surprise me when I first started out because I always prided myself on being organized in my own life. And when I would go into these companies, it's it's like a patchwork. Um, I, I, I Like we were talking about just before the show, I actually went to school as a computer programmer. And that's, I think, where I learned to be organized in my life and my work habits. And you have this well-structured, well-documented code that you can essentially hand off to anyone and they can pick off uh, where you left off and continue on. And, it, and when you don't do that, it, it's called spaghetti code. So any coders in, in, in your audience, they will laugh because they know instantly what I'm talking about. It's just spaghetti everywhere. And that's pretty much what large enterprise business is in North America. It's just this consistent patchwork of people coming in, changing things, leaving, not really any consistency to it at all. So the first thing we do is we take just a full inventory of how big are the silos that all the different departments are working in and not communicating with each other. How many excessive tools, excessive processes, excessive traditions and baggage does a company have? Once we've taken stock of that, then we actually interview at three levels. So we'll interview C-level, um, and we're talking over 40 different high-level questions that really help us dig down into some key portions of business from, from finance to strategy to execution to uh, human resources, all of these things we've put together and refine over the years. And we'll get that C-level picture. Then we'll also interview middle management, and then we'll talk to frontline workers to give us a proper picture. Once you have the picture, it's you reverse engineer it, you do the work, and things get better. So you're helping companies implement better systems that are going to make things get better. And, you know, systems is kind of a buzzword nowadays, right? I mean, everybody's everybody yeah. talks systems, but I'll tell you, it really makes a difference. I've recently systemized sort of my to-do and my task list by using an app. And a couple of years ago, somebody told me, oh, you should use this app. And I, I had a nice to-do list on paper, but uh, this year I'm doing so many different things because of the way COVID hit my speaking business. I used to speak 40 times a year for corporations and associations, uh, maybe 50 around the country. I was on the road 100 nights a year. I've been gone from my house twice since March 13th. So uh, it's been a, an entirely different thing, but along with no travel means no income. So uh, I've done a, a series of different things. I've gone to work for an executive search firm, which by the way, probably the best company I've ever worked for. And I'm having a great time kind of learning what you have to do in executive search. And you talk about systems in order to do a great job to help a company find key people. It has to be systems. You cannot be throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. You have to know what it is you're doing. But I, in addition to that, I've got, uh, you know, I, I host a podcast that I'm, I'm the paid host for. I host this show. I do a couple of other things. All of a sudden, I became burdened down with overwhelm just from my to-dos and my tasks. And I wasn't getting things done. And so I decided to systematize it. And all of a sudden, just in a couple of weeks, I'm like getting like everything cleared off. Some of these things were sitting around for weeks, maybe months. And so systems are a good thing. They are. Um, they're also a really dangerous thing and misunderstood because like you said, it's it's like been a buzzword now. Um, you know, we've been using them for 20 years or so and, and systems are fantastic. Automating simple things is, is the bulk of what good systems are. Um, in fact, in most businesses, about 80% of the day-to-day -day work can be automated, which is, which is brilliant. And, you know, systems are a little bit contrary to what a lot of people think. For, for example, you started the show by saying, you know, let's talk about different people that are making waves and helping companies grow. I don't believe in companies always growing because that's, again, one of those phrases that comes in, get to that next level, time to grow. And everyone's so hungry and, and just eating up all their time and energy with this belief that they just have to grow into success. And, and we do the opposite. We stop and say, let's just pause where you are and, and become more profitable. And that's, that's what systems are. Now, systems are, there's two big pieces to systems, and, and I hope people are listening and understanding this when I say this. It's, it's oversimplified. But the main two pieces are the people, because if your people aren't using the systems, then, then they're no good. And the reason they're no good is because it's not consistent and you're not going to get the data that you need in order to do evaluations for success. And that is actually the second part is the data. 
And, and I'll use you, for example, you've got this great new app, you're getting things done, but do you know why they're getting done? Is it just more of a to-do list and you, and you like checklists and you're checking them off? Or are you doing start dates, end dates, durations, really good details, inputs and outputs? Are you time tracking? Are you doing f- automated follow-ups after if it's relevant and seeing what the happiness levels were, um, NPR scores and all that kind of stuff? Like It gets so much more into it. And, it, and here's the fun part of systems they never stop. You don't just put it in and you're done. They're always evolving. Well, the good news to answer that question is yes to both sides. I mean, it is a to-do list and I'm checking stuff off, but I am actually doing many of the things you said now. I'm only a few weeks into it. Let's check back with me at the end of the year or next year. But uh, the reality is, is that one of the great things is where I used to have sort of a paper to-do list and I would move things forward. Everything sort of had an equal spot. Now, if something doesn't have to be done to Friday, I schedule it for Friday. And on Tuesday, it's not showing its ugly head as just an extra thing of overwhelm. So I'm able to take my to-do list and like put the things that are next week, next week. And then I'm not looking at 23 things I have to do. I'm looking at three things I have to do that are today's priorities. So part of it is that the other thing is, is that usually a task has a follow-up task. And that follow-up task might be call Marcus and schedule to interview him. And after our first, after our first meeting, uh, and then when I do it, then the next task is do the interview or, 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 you know, publish the interview, whatever. And I can, after I finish a task, I can schedule the next task at the appropriate time. Um, also without having to just calendar block, which I've done, but the problem is if you calendar block too much, uh, what I've found is I tend to then start ignoring calendar blocking. If it's like, Oh, I'm going to do marketing stuff for three hours every Wednesday. And I just calendar block Wednesday, I start ignoring the calendar block where now I've got things coming up a little bit differently. So, uh, yes, I'm learning all of the stuff you were saying, but uh, we're going to baby step it. Yeah, I mean, you're starting to talk into the realm of, of task dependencies and workload management and all these wonderful things that I love to do. So congrats. It's a very exciting journey that will consume you. <laughs> the, well, the other thing is, is that the, the person who taught me to use the app also said, and I forget what it's called. I'd have to look it up. But like if if the next step is having Marcus post this uh, interview all over his social media after it comes out. And I want to follow up with, I can't do anything. Like I can't retweet your stuff until you do it. So I can put a a task of things other people have to do and I can ignore it until the date when it's time to check in to see if you really did it. Where before, you know, that would just be a looming thing that might not have made it on my to-do list and then it would never get done. And so now it's like, you know, Marcus has a follow-up and now I can double check to make sure you did it at the appropriate time. And I'm like, well, that's genius. Well, it is. And and you just nailed it. What is the appropriate time? So that's the other part of what we do is we teach this this business rhythm of daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. And and we put all these different checkpoints in the appropriate slot. So it's not just knowing what to do or what's the most efficient way to automate it, but how do you systematically check in with the people component to make sure that the work's actually getting done and done properly? I'm just two weeks into it and I like my, I like my new app. So, and I, and I feel I'm making progress. So, but uh, like any, like anything else, we'll, we'll, we'll see how I'm doing in April. Uh, so you work with both smaller companies, entrepreneurial ventures and, and the people who founded them. And you work with giant companies with all kinds of different divisions and, you know, uh, hierarchies. So one would think, how do you work with entrepreneurial ventures and giant companies? Aren't they so different? You couldn't work with both of them. Right. That's, you know, what? that's a great question. And we get asked that sometimes. Um, so I'm going I'm to let you know how this came to be. I didn't realize it until my team pointed it out to me in one of our brainstorming sessions. And um, I often joke that, you know, I started with the corporate clients. And when I get tired of that, because it can be very draining dealing with, you know, very powerful people that I went to the entrepreneurs, you know, the less than 500,000 a year entrepreneurs, because it was refreshing. And then, you know, they come with their own drama and and baggage as well. So, you know, I kind of flip-flop between the two. And there's often been discussions internally, do we drop one, do we drop the other, and just focus in, you know, niche, niche, niche. And, And the answer to your question is this. It turns out that core values are incredibly important. And the reason I work with entrepreneurs is because I can be very selective about who I work with and make sure their core values are aligned with what I believe. Whereas you walk into some of these, you know, mega corporations, that's not always the case. And then one of my teams said to me, well, what if we kind of 
revise our program, revise our mentorships that over the course of, you know, the next five years, as we're helping these small businesses grow into big businesses and working on possible exit strategies, et cetera, et cetera. What if we grow our own mega corporations? What if we take these small businesses, show them the reality of what they actually need to do succeed, work with them to succeed so they can become our own corporate clients. And then, you know, within the next 10 years, we don't have to work with, with non-core value aligned people at all. Um, and that's how the two relate right now is, is we're actually nurturing the entrepreneurs to be those future corporate clients. Well, that, that's kind of cool. And if that works, then you've, you've set up your own big company clients when they were small. Right. That's, it's like right. any, it's like anything when we can grow up together, you know, I, I have found that in my speaking business that, you know, the, the people who were young meeting planners who worked with me when I was a young speaker tend to give me more business now that we're all kind of seasoned grade a little bit more. Yeah. So, so, Marcus, I've got more questions for you, but first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Marcus Dickinson. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Marcus, this show used to be called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your company right now? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, the coolest thing we're doing in our company right now is since March when, when COVID hit is we have managed to take 252 businesses of all sizes and help them successfully pivot and thrive in this new world. Um, and what I mean by that successfully pivot and thrive is not just, oh, you need to do this, but substantially working with them, retooling their marketing, retooling their sales strategy, and then actually getting them to that first piece of revenue coming in. Um, so, so that's been the really cool thing we've been doing this year so far. But uh, if, it's, if it's really recent, like right now, right now, the coolest thing that we're doing is we are celebrating our year two graduates. We're so pumped in that program and, and we're moving into the final phase and it's actually called uh, Limitless Results CEO. And this is where we start to help these now medium-sized businesses start to plan out what their exit strategy is over the next two years. So they get assigned a dedicated project manager from my team. And we're actually working at the beginnings of that high-end corporate stuff. And, and it's just fun because it's new for us because they're the first ones through the program. It's new for them because they've been with us since we started that program. So it's just thrilling, exciting, and a very cool thing because it's not like your typical type of mentorship at all. So, Marcus, people who listen to the show often, you know, may or may not be at that sea level. They might not be making waves yet. I have a lot of listeners who are trying to grow their careers. Uh, maybe they work for a big company. Maybe they, they're entrepreneurial. They have their own, their own venture. What advice do you have for people who want to attain success in their future career or for their company? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing is define what is success for you. That's always the big question, right? What is success for you? Um Honestly, I think we live in a world of so many opinions and so much misinformation that people tend to veer towards one or the other. They become trolls and just, I'm right, and here's why I'm right, because I said I'm right, and that won't get you ahead. Then you have the other people that, you know, they, they follow all this misinformation of if, as if it's truth, and even though they don't say anything, they, they still apply that to their daily lives, and that's actually not going to get you far ahead. What I have found is when people have a strong opinion yet are open to being wrong and can back up the things they say with fact. Those are the people that get ahead because now it's no longer about you being right. It's about finding the right solution for whatever you're applying yourself to. And, and that involves uh, humility. It involves uh, uh, you know, a willingness to say, okay, You've just presented a really interesting counterpoint to what I believed, and you've got some interesting facts to back that up. So I actually have to take a minute and reconsider my position. 
And, and that's okay to do. We, we are human beings. We are not the same as we were even five years ago. So why do we have this antiquated ideal that this is who I am and I have to enforce this on the world? No, evolve, grow, always be changing, always be learning, always be open, but don't be so open that you can be wishy-washy day in and day out. Like have your opinions, base them on actual fact that are verifiable and still be open to new growth. That I think has been one of the keys to my success and other successful people I know. So I've spent a lot of time uh, working with people about this gap that exists between the potential that they have and the performance that they're getting. And I think that a lot of people struggle with this. They know they have more potential in their career than what they're actually achieving. What do you think it is that holds people back? Why does this gap happen so often? Oh, that's a, <laughs> not the right guy to ask that one. My, um, my grandfather was a Baptist minister and he told me a great story and I'll give you the short version. The short version was basically if you're a Volkswagen trying to pull a fully loaded transport truck, it's not going to happen. You're just going to burn out your engine and you're not going to get that load anywhere because it's not what you were designed for. Similarly, if you take a transport truck and you want it to go zero to 60 in under three seconds, never going to happen. And I think this whole conversation about you know achieving your potential yeah, there's a lot of people that underreach, but there's also people, and this is so cruel sounding, I know, they overreach because they believe that the value they have is less than someone else's value. Now, that Volkswagen that has that speedy acceleration, it's a really cool car for what it does. But if it thinks it has to be a transport truck, it will always feel undervalued. So what I think the answer I'm going to give you to that is people need to first realize what is their potential. What is their role? And are they able to be happy with the fullness of who they are? Because not everyone is going to succeed in a massive way. It's just not going to happen. We're not all wired the same. It takes a very special type of person to do different things. It's why we're not all Olympians. It's why we're not all professional athletes. It's why we don't all do professional podcasts. So instead of always wanting to hit this potential, this mystery potential everyone talks about, figure out who you are, what your potential is, and have a quiet satisfaction and contentment with that. So I laughed when you said this might sound harsh because before we started the interview, we were talking about public speaking and I've made a huge part of my career being a professional speaker, but you speak a lot at corporate events uh, as a way to sort of promote your business and do things like that. But you called yourself the the anti-motivational speaker. Uh, Tell everybody what you meant by that. Yeah, I also get called the reality coach sometimes. Um, so, so I work with a few organizations. I'm, I'm in Toronto, Ontario. One of the best organizations I work with there is called Toronto Starts. Very huge entrepreneurial community. And there's all of these different types of what I call stage one development communities for startups. Like just what do I do? How do I get up? I'm actually on a podcast later tonight for that type of thing. Once they get through stage one, because stage one's like, you can do it. You're going to succeed. Just have to believe. Just have to do mindset. Have your gratitude practice. And all these things are good. They are wonderful. They're a start. And, and often entrepreneurs get stuck at stage one because they think that's all there is to it. So I would be more of a stage two person, an anti-motivational speaker, because people will come in and they'll be like, you know, the key to, to business success is consistency. And you can consistently be doing things wrong. <laughs> so that's who I am. I'm the guy that comes in and shatters the bubble you've created for yourself and lets you know what really. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for coming along on the journey of this little show that I've created now more than six years ago and well over 610 episodes. And along the way, I've had the pleasure to interview really smart people who are making waves and helping companies grow. And that's what we're here to do. And that's what we're gonna do today. But first, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So today's episode is brought to you by Spectrum Reach. Now, at Spectrum Reach, they know three things better than anyone. They know how to harness the power of multi-screen advertising. They know how to offer a simplified one-stop shop 
destination for marketing solutions. And they know what makes our towns and cities tick because they are our neighbors. They are the most trusted media partner in America. And if you want to find more, visit SpectrumReach.com and you could get started with them today. So today's show, we have a new friend of mine. I just met him last week. We're part of a networking group that my friend Gordy Bufton put together. And he said, hey, I know some really cool cool people. You all have to meet each other. And I'm like, why not? It's COVID. I'm not leaving my house. I might as well log on to another Zoom call because five or six, maybe seven Zoom calls a day just wasn't enough for me. But it actually turned out to be kind of cool because I met some really good people. And Marcus right away said, of course, I will be interviewed on Making Waves at Sea Level. So our guest today is Marcus Dickinson. Now, what he does is he finds money inside companies so that they can fix their problems and he gives their executives more time to enjoy their life. Now, we're going to have to find out what that means because who wouldn't want that? So, Marcus, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tom. It's uh, it's my pleasure to be here. I love the intro. I love the energy. And yeah, it's great. That group that Gordy's put together, some really fascinating, powerful, world-changing people there. Um, and right away, when you put out the call for, hey, who would like to you know, do a little interview and be on the podcast. <laughs> I don't even think 10 seconds went by before I was like, yeah, I'll do it. No, in fact, uh, I, I, I wasn't going to tell the whole story, but now I will. We were on a Zoom call with like 10 people and everybody was introducing themselves. And I'm like, by like the fifth person, I'm like, uh, these are all super impressive people. Remember the old thing? One of these things is not like the other. I was like, why did I get invited to this group? And I thought I got to enter. I said, is anybody interested in being a guest on making waves at sea level? And I literally 10 seconds later, Marcus was like, I'll do it. And so I'm like, anybody who could respond that fast uh, deserves to be interviewed just for being a doer. So uh, Marcus, tell us about your company. Uh, Introduce the company, what it is you do. So, um, well, I am the CEO of How To Project, and we are a remote project systems and management company. So as you alluded to, we had the marketing speak there. We, uh, you know, we we call ourselves profit recovery specialists. That's that's part of what we do. And uh, in essence, what that means is, is I'll go to a lot of corporations and I'll say, hey, how would you like to get at the sea level an extra 40 hours back every single month to spend on whatever you want, like non-work related? That's like a whole week a month. It is a whole week a month. And everyone laughs. They're like, okay, First of all, you can't do it. And secondly, how much is it going to cost me? And I say, here's the best part. Chances are it's not going to cost you anything. Because if I can find our fee within your existing budget, will you give us the contract? And that's one of my great lines that's been working for us for years now. So they're always up to the challenge because there's no cost for them. And I mean, you probably wouldn't be surprised, you know, making waves at sea level, but the amount of money that these companies are hemorrhaging, I can just make some simple procurement calls, renegotiate some contracts with new suppliers and vendors, and there's more than double what our fee is often. And what we like to do in those cases is once we found our fee, got the contract, we're like, and by the way, we've even put together this high return investment opportunity with the other bit of money that I found for you. So now you're actually going to be even more profitable while we actually streamline your operations for project management. Um, We get a lot of referrals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would imagine if you can find time and money inside companies, uh, that's probably the most rare thing that uh, uh, is out there. So let's talk about this a little bit more. So, you know, what is it that you do? So now we found the fee and they're like, okay, we can afford to hire Marcus. Now what? Yeah. um, You know, it used to surprise me when I first started out because I always prided myself on being organized in my own life. And when I would go into these companies, it's it's like a patchwork. Um, I, I, I like we were talking about just before the show, I actually went to school as a computer programmer. And that's, I think, where I learned to be organized in my life and my work habits. And you have this well-structured, well-documented code that you can essentially hand off to anyone and they can pick off uh, where you left off and continue on. And it, and when you don't do that, it, it's called spaghetti code. So any coders in, in, in your audience, they will laugh because they know instantly what I'm talking about. It's just spaghetti everywhere. 
And that's pretty much what large enterprise business is in North America. It's just this consistent patchwork of people coming in, changing things, leaving, not really any consistency to it at all. So the first thing we do is we take just a full inventory of how big are the silos that all the different departments are working in and not communicating with each other. How many excessive tools, excessive processes, excessive traditions and baggage does a company have? Once we've taken stock of that, then we actually interview at three levels. So we'll interview C-level, um, and we're talking over 40 different high-level questions that really help us dig down into some key portions of business from, from finance to strategy to execution to uh, human resources, all of these things we've put together and refine over the years. And we'll get that C-level picture. Then we'll also interview middle management, and then we'll talk to frontline workers to give us a proper picture. Once you have the picture, it's, you reverse engineer it, you do the work, and things get better. So you're helping companies implement better systems that are going to make things get better. And, you know, systems is kind of a buzzword nowadays, right? I mean, everybody's everybody yeah. talks systems, but I'll tell you, it really makes a difference. I've recently systemized sort of my to-do and my task list by using an app. And a couple of years ago, somebody told me, oh, you should use this app. And I, I had a nice to-do list on paper, but uh, this year I'm doing so many different things because of the way COVID hit my speaking business. I used to speak 40 times a year for corporations and associations, uh, maybe 50 around the country. I was on the road 100 nights a year. I've been gone from my house twice since March 13th. So uh, it's been a, an entirely different thing, but along with no travel means no income. So uh, I've done a, a series of different things. I've gone to work for an executive search firm, which by the way, probably the best company I've ever worked for. And I'm having a great time kind of learning what you have to do in executive search. And you talk about systems in order to do a great job to help a company find key people it has to be systems. You cannot be throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. You have to know what it is you're doing. But in addition to that, I've got, uh, you know, I, I host a podcast that I'm, I'm the paid host for. I host this show. I do a couple of other things. All of a sudden, I became burdened down with overwhelm just from my to do's and my tasks. And I wasn't getting things done. And so I decided to systematize it. And all of a sudden, just in a couple of weeks, I'm like getting like everything cleared off. Some of these things were sitting around for weeks, maybe months. And so systems are a good thing. They are. Um, they're also a really dangerous thing and misunderstood because like you said, it's it's like been a buzzword now. Um, you know, we've been using them for 20 years or so and, and systems are fantastic. Automating simple things is, is the bulk of what good systems are. Um, in fact, in most businesses, about 80% of the day-to-day -day work can be automated, which is, which is brilliant. And, you know, it, systems are a little bit contrary to what a lot of people think. For, for example, you started the show by saying, you know, let's talk about different people that are making waves and helping companies grow. I don't believe in companies always growing because that's, again, one of those phrases that comes in, get to that next level, time to grow. And everyone's so hungry and, and just eating up all their time and energy with this belief that they just have to grow into success. And, and we do the opposite. We stop and say, let's just pause where you are and, and become more profitable. And that's, that's what systems are. Now, systems are, there's two big pieces to systems, and, and I hope people are listening and understanding this when I say this. It's, it's oversimplified. But the main two pieces are the people, because if your people aren't using the systems, then, then they're no good. And the reason they're no good is because it's not consistent and you're not going to get the data that you need in order to do evaluations for success. And that is actually the second part is the data. And, and I'll use you, for example, you've got this great new app, you're getting things done, but do you know why they're getting done? Is it just more of a to-do list and you, and you like checklists and you're checking them off? Or are you doing start dates, end dates, durations, really good details, inputs and outputs? Are you time tracking? Are you doing f automated follow-ups after if it's relevant and seeing what the happiness levels were, um, NPR scores and all that kind of stuff? Like it gets so much more into it. And, it, and here's the fun part of systems. They never stop. You don't just put it in and you're done. They're always evolving. Well, the good news to answer that question is yes to both sides. I mean, it is a to-do list and I'm checking stuff off, but I am actually doing many of the things you said now. I'm only a few weeks into it. Let's check back with me at the end of the year or next year. But uh, the reality is, is that one of the great things is where I used to have sort of a paper to-do list and I would move things forward. 
everything sort of had an equal spot. Now, if something doesn't have to be done to Friday, I schedule it for Friday. And on Tuesday, it's not showing its ugly head as just an extra thing of overwhelm. So I'm able to take my to-do list and like put the things that are next week, next week. And then I'm not looking at 23 things I have to do. I'm looking at three things I have to do that are today's priorities. So part of it is that the other thing is, is that usually a task has a follow-up task. And that follow-up task might be call Marcus and schedule to interview him and after our first after our first meeting uh, and then when I do it then the next task is do the interview or, or, or you know publish the interview whatever and I can after I finish a task I can schedule the next task at the appropriate time um, also without having to just calendar block which I'm, I've done but the problem is if you calendar block too much uh, what I've found is I tend to then start ignoring calendar blocking if it's like oh I'm going to do marketing stuff for three hours every Wednesday and right. I just calendar block Wednesday, I start ignoring the calendar block where now I've got things coming up a little bit differently. So, uh, yes, I'm learning all of the stuff you were saying, but uh, we're going to baby step it. Yeah, I mean, you're starting to talk into the realm of, of task dependencies and workload management and all these wonderful things that I love to do. So congrats. It's a very exciting journey that will consume you. <laughs> the, well, the other thing is, is that the, the person who taught me to use the app also said, and I forget what it's called, I'd have to look it up. But like if if the next step is having Marcus post this uh, interview all over his social media after it comes out. And I want to follow up with, I can't do anything. Like I can't retweet your stuff until you do it. So I can put a, a task of things other people have to do. And I can ignore it until the date when it's time to check in to see if you really did it. Where before, you know, that would just be a looming thing that might not have made it on my to-do list and then it would never get done. And so now it's like, you know, Marcus has a follow-up and now I can double check to make sure you did it at the appropriate time. And I'm like, well, that's genius. Well, it is. And, and you just nailed it. What is the appropriate time? So that's the other part of what we do is we teach this this business rhythm of daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. And, and we put all these different checkpoints in the appropriate slot. So it's not just knowing what to do or what's the most efficient way to automate it. But how do you systematically check in with the people component to make sure that the work's actually getting done and done properly? I'm just two weeks into it and I like my, I like my new app. So, and I, and I feel I'm making progress. So, but, uh, like any, like anything else, we'll, we'll, we'll see how I'm doing in April. Uh, so you work with both smaller companies, entrepreneurial ventures and, and the people who founded them. And you work with giant companies with all kinds of different divisions and, you know, uh, hierarchies. So one would think, how do you work with entrepreneurial ventures and giant companies? Aren't they so different? You couldn't work with both of them. Right. That's, you know, what? that's a great question. And we get asked that sometimes. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know how this came to be. I didn't realize it until my team pointed it out to me in one of our brainstorming sessions. And um, I often joke that, you know, I started with the corporate clients. And when I get tired of that, because it can be very draining dealing with, you know, very powerful people that I went to the entrepreneurs, you know, the less than 500,000 a year entrepreneurs, because it was refreshing. And then, you know, they come with their own drama and, and baggage as well. So, you know, I kind of flip-flop between the two. And there's often been discussions internally, do we drop one, do we drop the other, and just focus in, you know, niche, niche, niche. And, and the answer to your question is this. It turns out that core values are incredibly important. And the reason I work with entrepreneurs is because I can be very selective about who I work with and make sure their core values are aligned with what I believe. Whereas you walk into some of these you know, mega corporations, that's not always the case. And then one of my teams said to me, well, what if we kind of revise our program, revise our mentorships that over the course of you know, the next five years, as we're helping these small businesses grow into big businesses and working on possible exit strategies, et cetera, et cetera. What if we grow our own mega corporations? What if we take these small businesses, show them the reality of what they actually need to do to succeed, work with them to succeed so they can become our own corporate clients. And then, you know, within the next 10 years, we don't have to work with, with non-core value aligned people at all. 
Um, and that's how the two relate right now is, is we're actually nurturing the entrepreneurs to be those future corporate clients. Well, that, that's kind of cool. And if that works, then you've, you've set up your own big company clients when they were small. Right. That's, it's like right. any, it's like anything when we can grow up together, you know, I, I have found that in my speaking business that, you know, the, the people who were young meeting planners who worked with me when I was a young speaker tend to give me more business now that we're all kind of seasoned grade a little bit more. Yeah. So, so Marcus, I've got more questions for you, but first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Marcus Dickinson. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Marcus, this show used to be called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your company right now? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, the coolest thing we're doing in our company right now is since March when, when COVID hit is we have managed to take 252 businesses of all sizes and help them successfully pivot and thrive in this new world. Um, and what I mean by that successfully pivot and thrive is not just, oh, you need to do this, but substantially working with them, retooling their marketing, retooling their sales strategy, and then actually getting them to that first piece of revenue coming in. Um, so, so that's been the really cool thing we've been doing this year so far. But uh, if, it's, if it's really recent, like right now, right now, the coolest thing that we're doing is we are celebrating our year two graduates. We're so pumped in that program and, and we're moving into the final phase and it's actually called uh, Limitless Results CEO. And this is where we start to help these now medium-sized businesses start to plan out what their exit strategy is over the next two years. So they get assigned a dedicated project manager from my team. And we're actually working at the beginnings of that high-end corporate stuff. And, and it's just fun because it's new for us because they're the first ones through the program. It's new for them because they've been with us since we started that program. So it's just thrilling, exciting, and a very cool thing because it's not like your typical type of mentorship at all. So, Marcus, people who listen to the show often, you know, may or may not be at that sea level. They might not be making waves yet. I have a lot of listeners who are trying to grow their careers. Uh, maybe they work for a big company. Maybe they, they're entrepreneurial. They have their own, their own venture. What advice do you have for people who want to attain success in their future career or for their company? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing is define what is success for you. That's always the big question, right? What is success for you? Um Honestly, I think we live in a world of so many opinions and so much misinformation that people tend to veer towards one or the other. They become trolls and just, I'm right, and here's why I'm right, because I said I'm right, and that won't get you ahead. Then you have the other people that, you know, they, they follow all this misinformation of if, as if it's truth, and even though they don't say anything, they, they still apply that to their daily lives, and that's actually not going to get you far ahead. What I have found is when people have a strong opinion yet are open to being wrong and can back up the things they say with fact. Those are the people that get ahead because now it's no longer about you being right. It's about finding the right solution for whatever you're applying yourself to. And, and that involves uh, humility. It involves uh, uh, you know, a willingness to say, okay, You've just presented a, a really interesting counterpoint to what I believed, and you've got some interesting facts to back that up. So I actually have to take a minute and reconsider my position. And, and that's okay to do. We, we are human beings. We are not the same as we were even five years ago. So why do we have this antiquated ideal that this is who I am and I have to enforce this on the world? No, evolve, grow always be changing, always be learning, always be open, but don't be so open that you can be wishy-washy day in and day out. Like have your opinions, base them on actual fact that are verifiable and still be open to new growth. That I think has been one of the keys to my success and other successful people I know. 
So I've spent a lot of time uh, working with people about this gap that exists between the potential that they have and the performance that they're getting. And I think that a lot of people struggle with this. They know they have more potential in their career than what they're actually achieving. What do you think it is that holds people back? Why does this gap happen so often? Oh, that's a, <laughs> I'm not the right guy to ask that one. My, um, my grandfather was a Baptist minister and he told me a great story and I'll give you the short version. The short version was basically if you're a Volkswagen trying to pull a fully loaded transport truck, it's not going to happen. You're just going to burn out your engine and you're not going to get that load anywhere because it's not what you were designed for. Similarly, if you take a transport truck and you want it to go zero to 60 in under three seconds, never going to happen. And I think this whole conversation about, you know, achieving your potential. Yeah, there's a lot of people that underreach, but there's also people and this is so cruel sounding. I know they overreach because they believe that the value they have is less than someone else's value. Now, that Volkswagen that has that speedy acceleration, it's a really cool car for what it does. But if it thinks it has to be a transport truck, it will always feel undervalued. So what I think the answer I'm going to give you to that is people need to first realize what is their potential? What is their role? And are they able to be happy with the fullness of who they are? Because not everyone is going to succeed in a massive way. It's just not going to happen. We're not all wired the same. It takes a very special type of person to do different things. It's why we're not all Olympians. It's why we're not all professional athletes. It's why we don't all do professional podcasts. So instead of always wanting to hit this potential, this mystery potential everyone talks about, figure out who you are, what your potential is, and have a quiet satisfaction and contentment with that. So I laughed when you said this might sound harsh because before we started the interview, we were talking about public speaking and I've made a huge part of my career being a professional speaker, but you speak a lot at corporate events uh, as a way to sort of promote your business and do things like that. But you called yourself the anti, uh, the anti-motivational speaker. Uh, Tell everybody what you meant by that. Yeah, I also get called the reality coach sometimes. Um, so, so I work with a few organizations. I'm, I'm in Toronto, Ontario. One of the best organizations I work with there is called Toronto Starts. Very huge entrepreneurial community. And there's all of these different types of what I call stage one development communities for startups. Like just what do I do? How do I get up? I'm actually on a podcast later tonight for that type of thing. Once they get through stage one, because stage one's like, you can do it. You're going to succeed. Just have to believe. Just have to do mindset. Have your gratitude practice. And all these things are good. They are wonderful. They're a start. And, and often entrepreneurs get stuck at stage one because they think that's all there is to it. So I would be more of a stage two person, an anti-motivational speaker, because people will come in and they'll be like, you know, the key to, to business success is consistency. You can consistently be doing things wrong. (laughs) So that's who I am. I'm the guy that comes in and shatters the bubble you've created for yourself and lets you know what really needs to be done to actually achieve the success you want. That's awesome. So before I let you go, I want to ask you the question that I ask most people who come on this show. And that is when you look out at the business world, and we all do, and we see people who are either business leaders, entrepreneurs, whoever, who do you admire? Who do you look at and say, wow, she or he, they're making waves. That's a great question. Um, huh. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a couple of people that come to mind. Uh, I really, I'm a huge Elon Musk fan. Like I know love him or hate him, but he's always making waves. I'm a futurist. I've I've grown up on star Wars and sci-fi. So all these things that he thinks about, I love him because he just goes out and makes them happen. Do you think Um, he's really from the future? The other day, somebody told me if there's time travel and it's real, Elon Musk is from the future. <laughs> that would not surprise me. Uh, you know, and also, if you ever saw a speech where he talks about how, yes, this is a computer simulation. There's no way any of this is real. It's like, wow, to, to be that kind of guy and, and be able to speak those views with confidence. It was, yeah, it's something. So, so I really. So if, he, if he is from the future, though, he's really good at covering his tracks because I interviewed a guy on the show who grew up with him and his brother. So it's like, you know, oh, wow. so so yeah, yeah. so he obviously has a backstory that he's put into place. Well, yes, or at the same time, if we really wanted to explore this, who's to say that he all of that wasn't true? He, he did raise up at the time he did. He was born and raised in that era, but he's gone forward to the future 
learned. Now he's come back to accelerate the timeline. Oh, even better. I like your, right. I like your review. All kinds of things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> someone else I admire actually is, is a woman. Her name's Karen Parchment and, and I love her. She, she was a founder of a, a diva girl, uh, fashion entrepreneur community that went global. Um, lots and lots of chapters. And, and what I admire most about this woman is she always kept her humility and her heart about her. We've become good friends over the years. We shared a mentor along the way. And earlier this year, and this was so powerful, and this is why I respect her so much. Earlier this year, like you were talking about, COVID has has been hard for some people, and it virtually destroyed their entire network. They 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 attempted to do the shift to online, but it didn't have that same feel for their community. So a lot of memberships were just evaporating and everything else. And she actually uh, resigned from the group, gave gave it over to you know her her business partner, the two of them, and started it all. And she's gone out and found full time work. And yet she hasn't felt any embarrassment about it. She hasn't felt any shame about it. And the reason I love that is because for me, the third part of success as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as, as a corporate giant is the vehicle you choose. And, and people don't realize that. And what I mean by the vehicle you choose really quick is that you don't have to be a business owner to continue to have your dream come true. You could volunteer, you could be part-time, you could be full-time. That's the vehicle. And so many people get stuck with the vehicle portion of the equation. And, and I just love her for being that brave and just understanding she can take everything she is and translate that right into the business world in a full-time role. Awesome. So Marcus, if someone's listening to this and they need to find out more about you or about your company, how do they find you? Yeah, howtoproject.ca. That's H-O-W-T-O project, no S on the end, .ca. We're a proud Canadian company. Uh, always happy to take a call. Always happy to meet new people and discuss new opportunities. Thank you so much, Tom, for, for that little plug. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And thanks for being a guest on Making Waves at Sea Level and for all the waves that you're making out there. Thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this? Uh, I began the show as a way for me to get access to cool people. I thought I'd do 50 interviews. And now, you know, 600 and something shows later, uh, we're still going. And it's really become all about the, the extended audience. So if you like the show, do me a favor. Yes, like every podcaster, I'm going to say, go to iTunes and leave a review, subscribe. But more important, take your mother's phone at Thanksgiving, make her subscribe. Take uh, your brother's phone, go to your neighbors, make them subscribe. No, seriously, the most important thing you can do is tell a friend because when I meet people who listen to the show, I always am curious, how did you find my show? And most of them say, it was because my boss told me about it or my neighbor told me about it or my sister told me about it. So go out there and tell someone about making waves at sea level. I'll wait. No, you could do it right now. All right. Thank you so much. All right. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool who's making as big of waves as Marcus. And you're thinking, how will you ever find anybody doing all that? We do it every week. Uh, check in on Tuesday and Thursday for all the new episodes. And in the meantime, go out there, flex your entrepreneurial muscles, make sure that your ladder in your career is against the right wall because you don't want to climb to the top only to find you had your ladder in the wrong place. And while you're doing it, have some fun. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.